What's happening, weirdos? This is Arian Moyed, guys. Arian, you know him. Arian Moyed from Succession. Ever, ever heard of it? Yeah. Stewie, come on. He's also in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. He's in Inventing Anna. He's incredible. And I loved, loved, loved my chat with him. You also need to check out his series, which is called The Accidental Wolf which he wrote and directed, and it's incredible, and it's on Amazon Prime. So definitely check out all of his work and enjoy this chat as much as I did, because I I truly, truly did. Only a couple things to plug up top. I want to say thank you to everybody that came out on March 11th at Largo. We had uh, Judd Apatow, we had Amy Schumer, we had Sarah Silverman, uh, and me. (laughs) I had me, and me. And the next one is March 25th. So if you're going to be in the Los Angeles area and you want to see me do stand-up, these are the only tour dates I'm currently doing. And these shows are always, always, always such, such fun. So go to Largo-LA.com for tickets and come see me do stand-up on March 25th and some amazing, amazing guests on that one as well. Uh, Maybe even possibly some of the people that I just mentioned. Oop, oop, who knows? Is that a spoiler? Maybe, maybe some of the same people, which will be really, really cool. Uh, it's always great regardless, but hope to see you there, Largo-LA.com for tickets. And as you guys know, uh, on this podcast, we only promote things that we actually use and love. So if you like the show and want to support it, try something that I enjoy, like Everlane. Everlane is my favorite, ethical, awesome High quality, built to last, built to stay in style clothing company that I swear by. And they have incredible values. And when you stick to what's important to your very core, it shows in everything you do. And Everlane is certainly that way. They are committed to doing the right thing from start to finish. What does that mean? It means partnering with ethical factories to ensure every piece of clothing not only looks and feels great, but comes from a wonderful and ethical place that looks great for years to come. So as you guys know, I blab all about it. I have two denim jackets from Everlane. Not only are they the best made clothing that I own, but they are timeless. That is that is one of the things they are about. They make things that aren't going to shoot up and down in, in, the, in the stock market of fashion. They're always going to look good, and they're always going to feel good, and they're always going to last. They have a dedication to ethical factories. They design timeless clothes with quality materials, and they have transparency in production costs for every item. You heard me right. Even when it comes to the cost and what they charge and why they charge what they charge, that is a completely transparent. You'll see that on their website. And say goodbye to unsustainable fast fashion. Everlane designs timeless closet staples that you can wear over and over again. This is how I feel about my uh, denim jackets. They remind me a little bit of uh, old B. Pitt, Brad Pitt in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that, that just is evidence. Here it is, 2022, and that movie was trying to look like, what, the 70s? It's always going to be in fashion. So many of their items are like that. Just evergreen, perfect, pitch-perfect perfection. Each garment is made with the finest materials, like grade-A cashmere. My favorite sweater is from Everlane. It's literally my favorite piece of clothing and Val's favorite piece of clothing that uh, she has me wear on dates. She requests it. They also have Italian leather and Peruvian Pima cotton. Everlane strives to use the most sustainable materials from farm to factory, so they prioritize natural fibers and use uh, recycled synthetics for performance, excuse me, for performance and durability. 
So if you want to look great and feel great about what you're looking great in and do things differently from your core to your closet, shop Everlane. Go to everlane.com slash weird and sign up for 10% off your first order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash weird and sign up. Everlane, ethically made, sustainably sourced. And not only will you look great and feel great, you'll be showing your support of this show, which means so much to me and to Val. Speaking of me and Val, uh, I have a joke right now about how we're trying for a second baby, which is so funny. It's just a way of telling people that you're boning a lot. And I got to say, I have been swearing by Joy Mode, one of our newest Pete's Picks. Uh, not only is it wonderful just for the fun of it, but it's also great in a time like this when you might be having more sex than you're used to and you need to sort of up your game a little bit. But if you want to up your game, fellas, what do you do? I mean, remember the last time you were in a gas station and you saw those horribly branded erection pills? There's always like a huge X in them or three X's like a Vin Diesel movie. Tempting. I know. But did you ever take a, take a second to see what's actually in those products? Well, no surprise, but they are terrible for you. And the same goes with most of the products on the market that claim to help men in the bedroom. But who wants a four-hour erection or nasty side effects, heart problems, and a possible trip to the hospital just to get rid of that thing? Well... Joy Mode is here to save the day. Whether you're happy or unhappy with your performance in the bedroom, we could all, you know, perform even better. That's what I say. And Joy Mode's sexual performance booster is like a pre-workout but for sex. Wouldn't you rather take a supplement designed to spice things up naturally rather than a prescription drug that can have harmful side effects down the road? I just did it. I had one this morning. I really did. I snipped the top off, poured in a cup of water, and I double-checked because it almost seems too good to be true. It works great. I was like, could it possibly be as natural as they say? I read the ingredients and was blown away. So you'll go to great lengths to biohack your way to better mental and physical performance, but why not do the same for the bedroom? Joy Mode makes natural and science-baked, <laughs> science-baked, right from the oven, science-backed sexual wellness products for men. Their sexual performance booster is like a pre-workout. That means it gets that blood flow going. The sexual performance booster is designed to support erection quality and firmness and sex drive. It contains clinically supported doses of L-citrulline, arginine, Yohibine and vitamin C. I knew the last one, vitamin C. It was created with the best in-class scientists and biochemistry PhDs. After taking the, si the sexual performance booster, blood levels uh, all increase, which promote nitric oxide production, penile tissue relaxation, and increased drive. Meanwhile, the antioxidant action of vitamin C will protect nitric oxide from oxida oxidative de de oh, degradation. This is hard to say. Hard? Nice. I worked it in. This is hard to say. <laughs> Which enhances blood flow promoting activity of nitric oxide. All of this is to say these compounds work in concert to make your penis work better in the bedroom. Which is wonderful. Val and I use it for fun, and currently we're using it to expand our family. I mean, what more can you ask for? Joy Mode was created because the products on the market are terrible, and they knew they could do better. Prescriptions come with all sorts of side effects, and the over-the-counter gas station pills are sketchy and fraudulent, but a lot of guys take both because they don't have a better op option. But now you do. Simply tear it open, tear open the packet, mix it with six to eight ounces of water, and just like your favorite electrolyte packet, slog it down. And it tastes great. Actually, it tastes almost neutral. It tastes 
pretty much like nothing, like water, which is great. For best use, consume it between 45 minutes to four hours before sexual activity. And if you're like me, you'll notice better blood flow, better erection quality and firmness, and increased sexual energy and drive. So... Do you want to spice up things in the bedroom and boost your sexual performance and do it naturally without nasty prescription drugs? We have a special offer for you made it weird weirdos. Go to usejoymode.com slash weird or enter weird at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's usejoymode.com slash weird for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Joy Mode, for supporting the show. And thank you guys. Uh, and everybody for showing your support by trying it out means a lot. Last but not least, I am wearing my perfect jeans, which is no surprise because I literally haven't taken them off since I bought my first pair a year ago. Guys, I hate hard pants. I don't understand. We live in 2022. Why aren't we all wearing comfortable, soft pants? Well, the answer is they don't look good. You have a couple choices. You can wear like linen pants like your uh, Bono. Or you can wear uh, yoga pants like your Sting or Phil Collins. Any of these references getting a chuckle. But the point of perfect jean, the point of perfect jean is they look great. No one needs to know that you are wearing a pant made with 2% spandex and 2.5% rayon for extra comfort and movement that, frankly, your man parts require. I don't want to wear Lululemon pants. I want to wear jeans. And these are the best and most comfortable pants I've ever owned. As I said, I haven't taken them off in about a year now. I have them in black. I have them in dark blue. And the ones I'm wearing right now, I'm stretching them. You can't tell, are dark gray. They look fantastic. They're wonderfully made. I've yet to have a single pair of them uh, wear out, which is way more than I can say about every other pair of jeans I've ever owned. They're so soft, you might even forget you're wearing them. Soft as a baby's butt and constructed utilizing the highest quality materials and sewing techniques to provide you with a product that is built to last. Best of all, they're not khakis. What, what are we doing wearing khakis? Fuck your khakis and spare your nuts. Let's be real. Look, I'm trying to have another baby. You got to have room for your manzoon. Tried to make zone rhyme with room. The perfect gene for the perfectly imperfect men. Just 60 bucks when you use code weirdo at checkout. So liberate your lower limbs with the one and only perfect gene. Whether you're working with lemons or lentils, a three-leaf clover, or a big old honkin' eggplant, the perfect gene has you covered. Go to www.theperfectgene.nyc. That's theperfectgene.nyc. And use code WEIRDO for 25% off at checkout. Support your body. Give your body some stretch. Give your body some room. And show your support of this podcast. All right, everybody. Enjoy Arian. He was so fun. Check out The Accidental Wolf on Amazon Prime. Obviously, you're already watching Succession, Inventing Anna. This guy's a hit maker. He's a hit maker and a true talent and a true delight, and I hope you enjoy it. Get into it. Hey. Boom. 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 What a handsome man. There you are. Hi, man. With your beautiful family behind you. This, 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 these are the priorities. Come on. This is these what are, we have to do here. This is what we have to do. Look at those children. I saw you had two daughters and I immediately loved you. Oh, come on. They are, they are nine. I'm sorry. That's not even close. They're 11 and 13. <laughs> I just said nine. And they're like, I'm yeah. sure one of them going to hear me. And the other one's like, Maybe I'm 11. Just say you were speaking in German. They are nine 
not cute. They're, They're not, not, cute. not cute. It was a double. I was nine just negative. saying, yeah, I was just saying that they were not cute. <laughs> I'm so excited to we're recording now, if that's okay. I Damn, mean man. you did have to click over your Zoom consent right up top. It, it always freaks me out, even no though no worries. Uh, well, thanks for doing this, man. I, I'm talking Is that a sauna in the back? Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. What? What's <laughs> happening? You have you have three thousand dollars. That's that's not that a uh, three grand is not that bad. When you people see a sauna, yeah. they think you're a fancy boy. Yeah, you you, you can say you could do it. You could do a three thousand. You can do it. I'm not saying it's and not expensive, so you, but people have laptops and shit. You can also get <laughs> you also a sauna. Know what I could do. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Don't you know don't, what? Next time, a fancy boy. sauna first because you're a fancy boy, and then we'll do. <laughs> Well, do you want, do you want, how do, where are you on white folks saying Iran? Are we going to say Iran? Oh, I say Iran, say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As in, isn't Iran a big, I assume everywhere but America loves a Schwitz. They love a hot, they love a cold. And over here, you have to go to like ethnic neighborhoods if you want to get like some steam going or some yeah. cold going. But like, it seems like the rest of the world uh, I, when, how old were you when you left? I don't want to make I, you represent a country that you haven't been to. I was, I was, I'm going to do this real quick. Cause I think this will make my eyes better. Um, on a shoe box. There you go. Boom. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm doing it for this move. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a thoughtful head tilt to fist. Kind of like a senior photo. Uh, um, I was, yeah, we were six when we got to the States. Okay. I was six when I got to the States. My parents were married at a very young age and had three kids. And then right when things started like going really okay for them, you know, um, you know, my, and my dad started getting a job and my job and he was at a bank and he started like moving up the ladder there, you know, the shit started hitting the fan in Iran, you know, and just where like there was a, just a complete discrepancy of just power and money and, 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 and people were fed up. And then, and then the revolution happened in 1979. I was born in 80 in the same year. My, my brother, who's 17 years older than me, um, who is down in DC as an anesthesiologist. He's actually the, um, the Dean of anesthesiology at Howard university's new medical hospital down in DC. Wow. He's really successful and really well. And just like an amazing guy. And he was drafted in the Iran Iraq war. You know oh what I mean? Gosh. So when he was 17, he like fought in the Iran Iraq war for three years. And my cousin, my first cousin died in that war and I was born in that war. And then Iran was getting bombed and it was just like the, you know, it was just not working. And my parents, even though they were married at such a young age and had like a completely different upbringing, they were, they were starting to become like cosmopolitan. Does that make sense? Like even in their like thirties, they were like, Oh, there's a new, we've gotten out of that old thing. And now we're going into this new sphere. And then the revolution hits. And then, and then, you know, I mean, to make a long story way longer um, <laughs> is that my oldest brother, Amir, the miracle of it all is that my oldest brother, Amir, when he was 16, went to high school. I mean, uh, graduated high school in Iran and, and oddly in my family, because we don't have anyone on my mom or dad's side at this moment. That's in the United States. We're the only family on my mom or dad's side. That's in the United whoa, States, direct whoa. cousins and whatnot. But my brother at 16 in 1976, he went to school in Chicago 
the revolution hit. And then we kind of moved our family once we got our you know situation in order. We kind of like left Iran. Because and he was in Chicago? Like that we that went to eat contact. That was our contact. That's how we got to the States. Because my Get brother the fuck out of here. Everyone yeah. was accepted. Yeah. If you'll allow this, that was in a miracle. Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's the it show a, you're on. It's a, yeah. it a miracle. It was a miracle. A miracle. Yeah. A miracle. A mere miracle. A mere miracle. A mere miracle. That's a good chapter title. A mere miracle. A miracle. A miracle. A miracle. It'd be funnier in print. That yeah. most of this podcast. Yes. This podcast should be called Funnier in Print. That's funny. so funny because so you're the only family that that comes over here, and one of them is on a, is a successful actor and has been a successful actor for many years. Yeah. How absurd! Yes. What I'm saying is, imagine what must be going on. The conversations of like, look, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not saying like, oh, they must think uh, that's what everyone yeah. happens. But yeah. I'm saying. People in Boston, where I'm from, I go to LA and they're like, well, that's what happens when you go to LA. You get on TV shows. There's no perception. So I'm not saying it's a. It's yeah, a no, it's a complete. It's, 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 it's a miracle on every level of it's it. It's a miracle on a, every level. And, and, and on this level, just shockingly, it's just the mere fact that we came over and that, you know, and then again, remember, my parents didn't speak English. You know, my parents, you know, they, you know, and my, I'm 41. My mom came to the United States of America when she was 41, my age. Wow. With, with, imagine like, how... and redoing her entire shit. Like, redoing your brain. Like, everything. you have to rehaul your brain. I'm 42. I feel my brain starting to like get wired in like a way. I, I'm like, I wish that rivet wasn't so deep. Like yeah. you find like some core belief and you're like, yes, fuck. I wish I hadn't gone down there. Yeah. I'll give you one. I'll give you a real one because my mom is a, you know, she, she oh, left Lithuania. Lithuania when she was seven. So similar mm. situation, same age, similar age. I got like a big dose of like, people aren't safe <laughs> from my mom. Wow. And because yeah. I'm 42, I'm like, I don't know how I could have gotten rid of it, but I feel it getting burrowed deeper and deeper and I have to work harder. Uh-huh, like, exactly. Oh, people uh, tell you about fun things and people help you and they're nice and they're friendly and all that stuff. So, so imagine your mom coming to a completely different culture and having those burrowed yeah. thoughts and having yeah, a new language. Just, I, I always mention this to like students or people that talk about this. It's like, imagine if you and your family all of a sudden it wasn't working out here in the United States. And all the only place to go is like Beijing. Yeah. And then, and not even Beijing, like somewhere else, you know, and that, that yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. then you go there and then you go to the grocery store for the first time. I can't, you're freaking me out. Literally. And you'd I be mean, like, what a, am a fuck? Am I even, yeah. what are these words? What is this? What is this? What cereal? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, What's yeah. The, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm oversimplifying because I wasn't my mom at that time. And, but and, and, and isn't mm-hmm. written in English letters. Is it? It's called an Arabic so letters or yeah, fair parts yeah. letters. Yeah. 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 So they don't speak any of that. Uh, my, 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 yeah. And just, and then getting a job for the first time. My mom really never had a job. And all of a sudden Ooh. she's at 41, new language, everything. Get a job. And then, like, what like, where's your childcare? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. babysitting and childcare, and you you're, know that kind of vibe. So there you are. You're seven, and you just come. Mm-hmm. You just came to this new country. Mm-hmm. Seven, by the way, you know, in therapy terms, that's around the age 
that it's difficult to go through a divorce or an upheaval like this mm. because you're old enough to hold on to it. So you probably <laughs> oh, remember yeah. some of it. And totally. take, take <laughs> me through whatever you want because I couldn't be more interested. I And forgive the simple, it's sort of yeah, a yeah, go question, for it. but you're coming here, you're seven, you're having the grocery store experience. You're probably, if you're like my mom, embarrassed that you're different. I'm projecting oh, yeah. my mom onto yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. Keep going. You know, accents and struggling or whatever it might be. Yes. That was my mom. Yes, same. How the, how the fuck do you, do you go you, from that to, to having a sauna? Theater, to having a sauna. To theater and act. Because, yeah. like, my mom, one of the coolest things she did although it kind of worked both ways was because she was, you know, from Lithuania, she didn't have as much of a, that's crazy that you want to be a comedian. It actually kind of worked in my favor because she didn't have the, like, you should go to MIT. What was your experience? Like you, you're like, mom, dad, I want to be an actor. When did you get the bug? And how did that fold into this whole exodus that you did? Yeah. I mean, that's such a, you know, it's so at the time, there was a bunch of things that were happening at once. One was we were a fractured family. You know what I mean? My, my one brother came to the States um, 10 years ago. So he came in 76. We're here in 86. So my mom and my brother are now like reassemble. My, I'm sorry. Yeah. My mom and Amir are like reassembling probably how they're figuring out how to communicate with each other. Now all of a sudden he's 16 to 26. He's like Americanizing himself or trying yeah, to. Yeah. Iran hostage was happening during that situation. Iran contra. Like the word Iran was like run the hell away from that. It was just like yeah. painful. I remember that as a kid with family friends that would come over every Saturday or Friday. And like it was so it wasn't even trying to be mean or rude because we're really proud people, but it was like you don't have to tell people you're Iranian. Like just don't say anything. Like yeah, you know yeah. uh, because that it was, was just like strategy. Yeah. It, it was all we had, you know, and, yeah. and I was in ESL classes for a couple of years and, and, and there was just a lot of stuff going on. And I think, well, you know, my 41 year old self looks at that moment right now and kind of says that, like, I bet you I was like, it was like stressful and chaotic all the time. I, that, that is hundred percent true. It was stressful mm-hmm. and chaotic often. Mm-hmm. My parents were both working. My dad was trying to get a job, couldn't get a job, started business that it was just like a lot of like commotion. So it turned out, and then I would be home a lot by myself. And, and, and I kind of like stuck myself in front of a TV Can and I, I kind of, I have to interrupt. Yeah. Marian. I'm sorry. Yeah. So similar. Just so much yeah. of what you're saying, I relate sure. to so hard. Turmoil. My dad. My dad was doing okay for himself, but he always had like offshoots of his business that would lead yeah. to stress. That yeah. would lead to like. My mom told me that there was a sheriff's car parked in front of our house because he yeah. owed some debt, and, yeah, and there was yeah, yeah. fighting, kind of and like this shit. By the way, all love to them. That's not complaining. As no. much as I'm saying, it's the fertilizer that grows. Because you're a very funny person. I'm watching The Accidental Wolf. I'm not done with it. No spoilers. Mm. It's your show. I think you're a very talented writer. I I thought your writing had a real music to it. Thanks, man. And a very, as somebody who who would have to read other people's writing, and I I could never find the words for like how to critique it, but I'd always be like, it's not fun. You're not having any fun. You have a lot of fun with your writing. I don't mean, I mean. I know you mean, like it's playing. You're playing. You're you're letting it be real and light and all this stuff. So anyway, all I'm saying, and I'm sort of calling myself a good writer at the same time, because I'm saying, which is very dastardly. What I'm saying is this shit, TV, stress, 
financial yes. strain, stress, financial stress, ESL languages. Keep going. It, it, you know, translator of the household immediately, easily nine, 10 years old, handing the phone over. All of a sudden I'm talking to the landlord, landlord, mm. the water's not working. What's not that, you know? And I, mm. I remember at times I'm being like, I don't, I don't like, like I got off the phone and like this didn't work and I had to like explain it. And I was just like nine or 10. I just like, I shouldn't be doing this. I should be playing baseball. This <laughs> is, I, mine was a little bit different again, just to yeah. make you feel safe, welcome and uh, seen. Yeah. I was like, why am I the third parent? Like I had, like yeah. I was in, in charge Same. of emotional bookkeeping. Same. My mom Same. and dad would have a fight and I would go in to comfort my mom. And then when I got a little bit older, probably around the same age you were when you were like, shouldn't I be playing baseball? I started to resent it. I was like, why am I responsible like, for this? Yeah, I, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it, you know, and, and, and that kind of that. But then it became very apparent, especially in English and in Farsi, that I kind of knew how to make people laugh. Wow. I was like, oh, I kind of get that. And there's another like real limited little little nugget here. In Iran, I'm probably sure it's everywhere. But like in the 70s and 80s, you weren't getting movies of the 70s and 80s. You were getting movies of the 50s and 60s and the 70s and 80s. So my parents... Biggest thing that they love more than life was I love Lucy, like like that, yeah. and like it's a mad, 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 mad world, and like Charlie Chaplin and Hitchcock, like that's the vocabulary. So that was what I was watching as a kid. We that and my... Three's Company. Did you guys ever watch Three's Company? Yeah, a little bit. And yeah, I don't I don't know if you've noticed. I get John Ritter a lot, and then I oh, watch him totally as a as a grown. And I'm like, why do I sound like him? Like, I did love yeah. him, but not enough that he, it's like our skulls are shaped the same way. All that's to say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, so you tell me, yeah. but I think there had to be like a little advantage. I find if you watch older things, Paul Thomas Anderson, my favorite director, does this. Uh-huh. He watches all his, all his favorite movies. Tarantino's the same thing. What's your uh-huh. favorite movie? He's like, Abbott and Costello meet yes. Frankenstein. You're like, yes. Jesus Christ, the best filmmakers in the world are watching old stuff. So did that help? You? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have a poster me. in the other room of um, a vintage modern, modern times poster mm. of, of <laughs> Chaplin. I'm a big Chaplin fan. I'm a big mm. uh, citizen, um, big citizen game. I'm about a big Orson Welles fan, big Cassavetes fan. Um, and that's kind of, and then, and I just kind of got it. You know what I mean? You probably were the same way. Probably like half the people that, you know, were immigrants or grew up in an immigrant house. It's kind of like, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I kind of know how to make people laugh. And, and I was in ESL classes for a while, not because I couldn't speak English, but mostly because I, I, I was, had, and I still do have a really tough time reading. Like reading is a real thing that just really has only started happening until I, you know, like high school and I started getting like really better at it and Mm -hmm. and at the time i knew how to do a couple of bits and slapsticky things and like loosen the tension of the room you are killing me because (laughs) my humor again another fertilizer was a feeling of inadequacy at school i i was like how is everyone getting this Mm -hmm. how is everyone understanding math how is everyone understanding science i just was so confused and I was like, I can, I can at least break the tension and give myself a little vacation by making other people laugh. Laugh. Yeah. And like, go, can we, 
can we stop pretending like school is real and just laugh for a second? It's such a, it's such a gift, right? Yeah. And I, and I think, and then I just, and then, you know, back, you know, and then I always say this, like, and then backstage happened, you know, the other weird thing I should mention, I would like to hear from your experiences, but what was weird for us was when we moved to Chicago, we moved in this kind of like very hip part of town in Chicago called Andersonville. Now it's very hip, very cool. Back in when I was a kid, it was, you know, was not that. And, and one night I came, I was like five, six grade for, I mean, first grade or second grade or something like that. And I came home with a knife, like a switch knife, like a switchblade or whatever. My parents were like, they were like, what is happening? What what do we do? And and smartly, and again, I give all the props to my parents. My parents decided to move us into a really, we we had no funds and to move us into a really rich neighborhood, but with, but like in the apartment complex on the other side of the highway that gets all the stuff that those So that's, and so I lived also day to day in a huge immigrant community in a rich neighborhood, Koreans, black, Jamaican, white, you know, Puerto Rican, like everyone lived in white, you know, everyone lived in this kind of like neighborhood. And, and we had a commonality that was, we understood each other's parental structures. Do you know what I mean? Like we under kind of understood that like, we really weren't going to go in each other's homes. Do you know what I mean? Not that we like verbalize that, but like we knew that our homes at any time could be a volatile kind of like chaotic space, but we all kind of subconsciously knew that about our homes. Mm. And um, literally like loud voices and just yeah, loud voices or like, (laughs) you know, cousins would be sleeping, you know, we would have, there'd be times where a cousin would come from Iran and they'd stay with us for three months. And then, you know, there was a, you know, like a friend of a guy's friend that knew a person that has an uncle is in Chicago. It's a whole complex. That's the opposite of a New York building with a door guy. That's keeping an eye out for people that are illegally subletting, which I've been the subletter. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you feel weird, (laughs) but it's also just like the chaos of they didn't, you know, I'm just trying to think of like Eric Moore's mom was going blind, you know, like everything was yeah. like happening to our lives. Right, right. And, and when we were on the, you know, the, what we live in this place called Salem walk, which is this like, you know, kind of like just apartment complex area. And, and when we lived in that area, when we would play football, you know, or, you know, or basketball or like bullshit tennis or whatever the hell you were doing, <laughs> um, we would kind of like, make each other laugh and make each other feel good a little bit subconsciously because the shit at home was, we knew chaotic, even though I didn't know specifically what was happening. We all knew that everyone's household was like going through a lot of stuff. And, and I say that to say that like, that is another piece of the pie here that I think would make that made me empathize with kind of like everybody. Well, why is it a cliche that the one man show goes like, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, there was a lot of crazy guys. You know what I yeah. mean? But like that environment, yeah. what are you dealing with? Like not to force succession into it, but I was, I was watching it to get ready. I, what if I hadn't seen it? I, I checked it out. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's, it's like the, show. The, the isolation of the very rich, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Is, is so sad. And the community of, I think this is what like in the Heights is sort of celebrating is like when uh, there's poverty, there's often these other things going on that are like unexpected blessings and they're unexpected curses of being rich. Cause it's very, 
I'd love to hear you you comment on this. It's very mm. like Western and very specifically American. That's why There Will Be Blood is my favorite movie. This guy's mm. gonna make a ton of money and then he's mm-hmm. gonna die alone in a mansion. And, and like- Doesn't matter, with a polling alley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, exactly. And we just don't have any, we're not Denmark. You know what I mean? We don't mm-hmm. have any like, sure we have 3 million, I'm not gonna do the voice, $3 million, but we live in an atrium because mm-hmm. we need, we know that when you, I cook dinner on Tuesday and that makes my soul happy. You know what I mean? We yeah. don't have, we have like cutthroats and get a nice car. We don't have it dialed in. This pursuit of happiness thing doesn't usually include other people other than maybe your 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 children. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because that I think is a very, this is what I think Again, I think of it, you kind of mentioned it, but I think of this as a privilege that I have over a lot of other performers, are they, or mm. artists, that because I have that privilege of seeing all of that and, and all, you know, I get asked all the time, I get asked all the time, like, how are you juggling so many things? You have a nonprofit of Waterwell, you did the XNL Wolf, you two kids, like, and I say this all the time, and I really believe this, like, it none of the stuff that I'm doing right now, which is juggling a bunch of things does not feel as intense as it was as being an immigrant. Like that just was harder. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? That's oh, yes. so much harder. I and, love, and, I love that. Keep going. And, and, and Iranians, as I'm sure you might know in LA, um, <clears throat> though I don't really know that many Iranians, oh, my family did not go to LA, but um they are they really want to help and they're just like really giving people like one of our big words is called tarof which is like we are overly polite to people to make sure that everyone else's needs are suffice before ours are mm. and so at our house even if we had nothing going on and it was me and my mom or me and my, my dad and my brothers were gone and my sister was still in iran at that time homera was still in iran still at that point when i was a kid and all of that said on saturdays all of a sudden my mom would bring in like three or four women from another Iranian community and like give them a meal and really like help out our own. And so that, that those, and me as a little nine-year-old boy walking around with the platter of like passing tea around, that was what my mom like taught me. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and that is how I, think of the company of Waterwell that we made. And that's how kind of like how I actually think about art. And that's how I think about succession right away. Like I think about it as a community of people coming to tell together to like tell this really intricate story of these, you know, 0.01 percenters. And the, you know, the same thing with, uh, you know, passing the tea around as a little boy is the same feeling I have right now as like being backstage at high school of the play or being backstage at like improv or being backstage of that. All of those pieces feel united to me because it's just a community of people come. The Accidental Wolf, you mentioned it, you know, everyone in the Accidental Wolf is a dear, dear friend of mine from the theater community for 20 years. And yeah. in that kind of like space and period, like, you know, it's just mm. a community of people that are coming together. You know, that and I, if you heard me typing, I just wrote this down because I, I think you said something right on the money, which is, again, I don't want to belabor succession. And I'll tell mm. you why when we stop talking about more interesting things. Um, 
to give you a preview. Talk about I love. I, I love know. Succession. I know. I, I know, and I do too. But like, I I'll, to give you a preview. I listen to other people on the show, and sometimes they do podcasts, and I'm like, I feel bad for them because no matter who it is, I was saying Tom Hanks comes up to you at a party, pretty cool, but he also probably wants to say the same five or six things. <laughs> about succession and and that's fine and i'm sure i know you know that's a privilege and it's very cool i love it very i'm trying very hard not to do it well we'll get back to that okay so the pilot of succession the 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 brutal part spoiler alert uh roman tears up the check for a million dollars to the to the poor child Mm, mm. and then the the last shot though that actually makes me very emotional but not maybe not in the way that you you would expect is that it's the it's this kind of regular apartment uh-huh. compared to the Roy's house? It looks small, uh-huh. and it's a little you know dark. and And there's the watch. So they gave them the watch to sign the NDA, uh, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah, you have it dead on. And they're pulling out, and but you see uh, Logan and and uh, and Kendall, who will never have what the little boy in that apartment has, which is love. Which is like yeah. they're there. Care. They, they might care. Warmth. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. like what we're saying is, you, Arian, in that complex, you learn something that I think I'm feeling. Even just like looking at your background and looking how you carry yourself right now, <laughs> it's a fucking. It's it is selling your soul to play the fiddle at a crossroads, and there's a real risk. And it's not just show business. It's it's believing that what you need is out there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, you know, I say this to students all the time, you know, it's dark, but true. And they laugh a little bit. And it's the truth. One day you're going to die. And on your deathbed, the people around you are just going to be the people that you loved and the people that loved you. Yeah. And that's basically the whole game. And then it's over. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And <laughs> I mean, so and like all the shit, like. You know, what, what I loved about Succession in, in the season three um, is when at his birthday party, when he gets a watch from Naomi. Buddy, we're, we're going to get to it. The, okay, the, yeah. But when, when we're going to talk about spirituality, because that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, honestly, yeah. uh, probably first and foremost, I, I get, anyway, that's. Yeah, that's yeah, keep, yeah, yeah. The image Side note, Kendall, hold it. Yeah. Yeah, lots of things to put a pin in. But yeah. Kendall going through the boxes, I was like, oh, this really fills the blank in my own spiritual metaphor uh, analogy sort of zone. A way to yeah. visualize what we're all doing is tearing through boxes. You have so much of something that isn't working. And you're kind of sadly going through boxes of other stuff that won't work while there's someone there who's trying to wake you up a little bit. That's what yeah. it is. That's what yeah. consumerism is. And, yeah. and that's the, you know, the recovery program has don't go to the hardware store for milk. Yeah. Right. This right, is right, what right. it is over and over and over. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's, there's just this empty promise that something out there will give you peace and will give you happiness yeah. when really I would, I would take it further and we'll get to this in the God part, but like, Family and relationship is a much, 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 much million times better place to look for love and warmth and connection. And ultimately, I would say you're in dwelling spirit, like going inside for the part of you that 
can never be perturbed, that it can never be disturbed, that is always happy, that is always at rest, that is never born and never died, and and getting into that. But when Ken when Kendall's going around the room for yeah, those yeah, you sing like, it beautifully. Fuck this shit, man. But that I recognize myself in that. I hate it. I, I don't hate it. It is what it is. No, but I, recognize I think that's why that. people love. I think people. You know what's hard for us to say out loud about succession is is that we can actually see ourselves behaving in these ways if Boy. down the wrong path. Do you know what I mean? And 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 that again, that's what I mean. On your deathbed, the watches and the you know the this and the that and the bu- bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. None of that yeah. is yeah, going yeah. to matter. You're just oh, going to yeah. be alone in a bowling alley. You know. That's you it. Know? I'm finished. I know. Say, yeah, exactly. Saying I'm finished. I'm finished. That was a great Eckhart Tolle thing. He was working with someone as they were dying. And then she thought that her uh, caretaker stole her diamond ring from her medicine cabinet. Mm. And Eckhart Tolle was like, I don't remember the exact words he said, but he was like, how much longer did you need to hold on to that? <laughs> like, like, it's not, it's not yeah, the ring. Right. It's not the ring. And it's not in any box. And it's all going. It, and this isn't, this isn't yeah. sad. This is the secret of joy. It's, yeah, going, it's, it's happy. already it's already gone. It's, it's, gone. it's beautiful. And, it's, and it doesn't matter. It just really, you just keep going forward. You just That's have right. to keep going forward. None of these little road, none of these things are a big portion of what define you. The roadblocks and the obstacles are not the things that define you. It's how you deal with those roadblocks and obstacles that are the things that define you. And usually we want to do that in a family setting or a friendly setting or a caring setting or something, uh, you know, that cares about other people setting to really kind of move forward. Otherwise, What's the fucking point? Like, who who cares? That is what's missing. So obviously, like, yoga means union. Religion means religio, like ligament. It means connecting. So there's there's a clue in human relationship and human connection. So here's what what I even feel is happening now is when two people interested in connection connect. And this is the only thing that's, that's real to either one of us right now. It's just this. It's just this. Show me succession, Arian. Not that, not that you're wearing it as a badge, but show it to me. It's gone. It's, yeah. it's not. It's, gone. it's over. It's over. And you've had things. You've had plays that go up and they go away. It's Come all back. gone. It's all, it's all just this. And when you watch succession, you go, this is, this is the parable of, of the people in hell with the 14 foot chopsticks that are starving. And all they need to do is is like the 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 tear-jerking fantasy is that someone on that show would just go this doesn't matter this doesn't matter like you well, you get you get the closest Stewie gets Stewie, the closest. Stewie says it really he's like yeah you know you can stick a million fucking balls in my ball bag but at the end of the oh so you could still you could stuff a million fucking dicks in my ball bag but at the end of the day I'm gonna make a little bit more cash and your people all, and this is all that this is, dude. Yeah. Like, why yeah. are we, why are you trying to, why are you yelling at me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are That's you, right. like, you, I'm going to win, a, just maybe, and I'm showing a, like, a, like a little centimeter in between my fingers. Like, why, why, why are you? I'm going to win a little bit more than you. And that's all this is. And you're making this so much bigger than it is. And yeah, I think Stewie does get close to that. Um, 
You're the only one every... that tells people that they're full of shit and that, that yeah. it's not working. And yeah. so at least you're you're doing dirt, but you're the yeah. only honest one. Like, yeah. like one of the best Dewey moments is, can I trust you? And I love not just the way the line, but I love the way you say the line. <laughs> you, <laughs> you say it in this like, what are you doing? Why are you asking a stripper if they love you? you yeah, know what I mean? exactly. Like, it's, it's, you're going to the hardware store for milk. You yeah. think I trust, you can trust me? Like you've misunderstood. <laughs> like that's at least you're yeah. you're loving through honesty. Yeah, I mean, and that's that is something that I really do think that people kind of like latch onto with him. And I really love about him as well. I mean, it's brutal and it's tough and it's hard, but in this game of risk that these idiots are all playing, you know what I mean? He is at least being like, you know, we had the whole fucking world in our hands. You know, I keep on thinking about like they were 18. They talked about one day running the entire civilized world. They were this close, very, very close yeah. to doing it. And then he walked and and yeah. and all you have to say for yourself is, um, my, you know, I, I, I heard both plans. My dad's plan is better. It's like, oh, you know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah. You know? But you're uh, also in that this is season one. You're honest because you asked Kendall if he's. Now we're just fanning out, but you seem okay. <laughs> you ask Kendall if he's scared and he says no. And you say, well, I am scared. Yeah. Like there's, there's this real, <laughs> yeah. it's, there's a, there's a freshness because it's the only person that's telling the truth. Yeah. And, goes, and well, I'm scared. That's so, it's like, I wonder if that's a Jesse. Yeah. I think that must be a Jesse. I'm just trying to remember if it was improvised or not, but it's like <laughs> something to the effect of if you're, I'm, if you're I'm scared and you're pretending, you're to, not pretending be scared, not to be scared, then yeah. you should fucking do it. Yeah. You should yeah. do it. And yeah. you know, what's missing in that too, man. Okay. So my father really reminds me of, of Logan and mm. I, I love my dad and you would love my dad and he's not mm. a mogul, but this is back to like what you said earlier, people do relate. And I don't want to think I'm deluding myself. I'm like, mm. this is me. I chase highs. I avoid lows. And then you can even get into like some weird sticky area where you're mm-hmm. like, you think you want to kill your father. You think you want to humiliate your father. But the truth is, if you saw your father, even embarrassed, you, your heart would break. Ne- never mind cut his throat. Never mind totally. break him. But, and, and Kendall hasn't figured that out. It took me yeah. a while to figure that out. When I was a young man, I was like, I'm going to show dad that I'm the shit. And that's, yeah, I've been yeah. doing that for a long time. But yes. if you showed my, if you, God help me, if you ever showed me my dad stutter over a word, I've never seen him do it because he's a superhero to me. But if he was like, well, uh, uh, I would die. I would, uh-huh. I would light myself on fire to stop his pain. But men especially think they want to kill their dads, but they don't. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. really. And it takes a lot of introspection to realize. Yeah. That. And I think that is the Roy family specifically does not do that introspection. I mean, <laughs> they're yeah. just and and they actually avoid it like like the probably the vast majority of people in the world avoid it. I think things. so too. But they Even do it I'm on saying, such a like grand. You, oh, sorry. No, but you just do it on such a grand level, yeah. I, I was just saying, people. some people might be listening, thinking Pete's insane, saying it takes work to realize you don't really want to kill your father. But I had to do a lot of work to realize I did want to kill my father, or I thought mm. I wanted to kill my father, mm. meaning I wanted to beat my father. Mm. And then you <laughs> yeah. dig even deeper, and you realize under all of that anger is actually like a reverence and a love. And, 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 and then underneath that, there's an even deeper level of everybody's doing 
not just the best they can. Everybody's doing the only thing they ever could do. So yeah. what what are you getting so worked up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know, you know when this really dawned on me what you're saying is when mm. I became a parent and I took when Chrissy and I took Olive home. This is 13 years ago. Mm. We came home and it dawned on me that I'm not going to be filling out a manual. It dawned on me. I was like, oh, I didn't have to take a test for this. Yeah. And then it's like, and then right before that, Olive, when uh, Chrissy was pregnant with Olive, we were had some like complications and we, we there was mm. questions and there was just like a lot of like stress. And I remember my mom saying to me when all that was happening, she goes, this is it. This is what this is. Wow. This is parenthood. And I was like, oh, and then you're like, you think that there's some sort of roadmap, but it's mm. well, the roadmap is your life. And dude, now. <laughs> yes. Keep going. Yeah. And then all that to say is that as in a way, knowing that there is no one to tell you like, oh, these are the things to do to make sure that your kids have a life, lovely, successful, perfect life, you know, to be mm. blunt, like knowing that at a, I was 27, 28, when I found, when I was thought of that thing for the mm. first time, and then it really just let it go, let, let love and helping and just really taking, getting out of your own ego, be the guiding mechanism you know obviously there's we have an ego and we're gonna fuck it up and we're assholes and blah 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 blah. but um but at the end of the day like knowing the full well that if you can just push through all that you're at the end of the day no one's gonna tell you how this is gonna go because no one fucking knows it's the same thing when like a young actor or someone comes up to you and it's like or a young comic is like how the fuck do i do it man how do I do it? And I remember I was addicted um, in, in, in my twenties of like watching comics talk about process. Mm. So addicted to it. Mm. Look at the movie comedians and mm-hmm. you know, um, all those things like the backstage of, com- and I remember there was an interview with, I think his name was David Brennan. Was that that old comic named David Brennan? I was like, maybe David Brenner. Brenner. Yeah. David Brenner. That, it's like yeah. maybe like a little bit older than Seinfeld. I'd say I think he said I, something. Yeah. yeah. But- and in this interview, he said, like, that just like dawned on me. And he was just like, you know, when people ask me that, I just have to say, listen, man, you keep doing it and you'll get good and then you'll be good. And then there'll be another problem and then you'll be good. You know, and that's yeah. kind of how I think of all this a little bit, a little bit of the fact of I'm going to just push ahead. I'm going to fuck up a shit ton. I hope to God it's not detrimental. (laughs) And then I'm just going to push ahead and see what the next thing happens. And hopefully the next time I won't do that again. What I hear you saying is the process is the thing. Yes. It's the most important thing. I I look at photos. It's not important. I love, I'm like, tell me about it, please. I can't stop telling people that I got off Instagram. I'm so proud of myself, but, oh, but instead amazing. I'll go in my own album. Sometimes if I'm really bored mm. and I'll look at my for you, you know how the iPhone has. The oh, for yeah. You category. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm looking at photos of my own life more, which actually feels a lot better than looking at photos of say your life or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't know. Totally. 5,000 jealousy other of it all. Yeah. That's, yeah exactly. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for being honest. I, I, yeah. I see you at some party, all, all that shit. Like, oh, God, awful. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and if we're being really honest, I'm t- I'll speak for myself. When you post your Conan, your name tag on the Conan show, you're saying, be jealous of me. Like, that's what we're doing. That's yeah. what we're doing. The whole that's the thing. Process. Yeah. Like, that's what Stewie would say. Stewie would say, 
I post that to make you jealous. Yeah, and then I'm jealous of you. Yeah. And then you're jealous of me and I'm jealous of you. This is how it fucking works, dude. But yeah. Kendall would be like, no, my dad liked the post. You know what I mean? Like, he, like no, no, don't, don't no, believe no. it. It's all just empty shit. But anyway, when I look at photos of parenting, I get this really warm sense, but I know it's not what it was. What it was, was all of the moments in between the photos. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yes. And, and I say this about backstage. Sorry to interrupt you. Please. I don't remember. I, you know, I love doing, I did an off, 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 off. I've done off Broadway. I've done Broadway. I can rarely tell you about my performance on a night. I can definitely tell you about hanging out backstage. That's right. That's right. That's the whole you- thing I give a shit about. Actually, <laughs> not to be rude, but like, I just care about the backstage hang. Like, well, that's a, that's hang a out sign with buddies. Point. Seinfeld yes. said you, you become a comedian to hang out with other comedians. And uh-huh. I really, especially when you're in your 20s, you want to be a comedian. Like you wish they would yeah. hand out laminated IDs. Like yeah. You just want to be like accepted. And then you start doing these shows and then you get to hang out with comedians. And I've said this on the pod before, forgive me everybody, but like that first uh, Thanksgiving you go home after you've been a comedian for a year or two or three mm. And you go home and you realize your friends aren't funny. <laughs> oh God! I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. You're like, oh fuck. Or, or, you, or more honestly, you realize who they're doing. You go yeah. like, oh, he's doing Jim Carrey. He's doing Jim Gaffigan because you've dedicated yourself to something that, for most people, takes up 005 percent of their brain capacity. Yeah. So of course they're going to be funny in in the style of somebody else, most likely. Yeah, and they're funny. They're funny for their coworkers, and they're funny. So they're kind of funny fine. for their own community. Fine, but it's yeah. like when you start dissecting it, you're like, no, the joke is not there, and that's because you are doing an outdated bit. That was yeah, that's know. right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. This is what we yeah, do. Okay. So so you're you're a young boy. You're translating for your family. Uh, I'm taking us back to what was the first time you, I, I hate to say got the bug, but I'll Charlie Rose it in, in a good way. Yeah. How did, how did you get the bug and when did you break it to your folks and, and how did that go? Just, yeah. I mean, I, there's like moments of things that I remember vividly. Um, but, you know, I can't, rem- you know, in third grade in my, the ESL class, had all of we performed uh, of, for in the entirety of our elementary school in a mm. costume that was like our own like native costume, even though I kind of looked Russian. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even really look Iranian. I don't know why I kind of looked, looked like Russian, but whatever. And I went and what we had to do is we had to like say our say salam alaikum, which is like hello in Farsi in front of the group. And I just remember my third grade teacher, Miss Roar. In the, in the audience and just waiting at me. And that feeling was like, wow, that's wow. cool. I just yeah. remember, I, I still remember, I don't even know what I'm talking, I don't even know what that means, but she just waved at me and I, she had a big smile on her face and I was just like, wow, this is cool. And then I, I did the exactly fifth- what you mean. Yeah. That is a great, great answer. Yeah. And you're helping me remember the times that we would sing a song in Swedish. My teacher was Swedish and we sang in Swedish and just the feeling like this is a little self-indulgent of both of us. Maybe I I just want to keep us away from something that people will roll their eyes at, but Mm. like, you know, when you know, and you're like, whatever it is, I'm not getting, this is a lot of it. Yeah. 
this feeling feels fucking right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And it seems to be natural. It felt natural. Yeah. And I it wasn't forced. I mean, you know, I'm sure I would love to be, uh, I wish I was there, and, you know, in my defending the life, I would love to replay this day just because I'm, I'm very curious of what the purpose of having all these English as second language students say the word hello in their language is going to suffice for, but that's what was happening. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. you know, I did like the fifth grade play and then in middle school, I did some other plays and, and, you know, and, and, I was reading was really tough for me and English skills were tough for me. So I was working hard on that, but then I was doing a lot of speech team in high school. And again, the reason why my parents went to this like North suburbs, you know, education system was to give me education, but I really was just getting a shit ton of arts training because there was a lot of money in the arts there uh, in the North. So you're a young man who's struggling with uh, reading. Yeah, and reading you specifically. Get, you get into memorizing lines and stuff. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, I don't want to kill the bird by dissecting it, but uh-huh. the thing about you is you're a very interesting actor. Mm. David Mamet says, um, interesting actors are interesting people. He's like, you hang out with Al Pacino, you just, you want to watch him cut up a chicken breast. Like, he's just uh-huh. going to do it in uh-huh. a way uh-huh. that you can't not watch for some reason. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I, I can certainly attest to that in, in the people that I've met in my life. And, and you Same. have that. So I don't want to freak you out and make you overthink <laughs> it, but like, you definitely have that. I have to go. I have to go. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> and I wonder, I'm going to, I'm reverse engineering a leading question for you. Huh. So you had to learn these lines, maybe like putting them in a loose way, because it seems like on succession, you're adding hmms. I know you're uh-huh. adding hmms. Uh-huh. Hmm is yeah. not in there because you're <laughs> trying to keep that page count down for the line producer. There's no way your hmms are in there. Yeah. And you're and you're making the lines improvisationally. You're making them conversational. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that some of that stemmed from you didn't love reading and you were like, okay, I got the essence. Sure, of this. sure. And I'll say it you in know. my own way. Sure. I mean, you know, without giving away too much stuff, I'm sure there are people at Succession that are like, is Arian, can he read? <laughs> um, it's tough for me. And, you know, his language is so unique. You know, we, 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 we have to, and I really am so desperately trying to make this character so, like, relaxed and, like, powerful and confident, but, like, still have spark and still have, like, interest and also you know, without sounding like gross about it, just like feel real. You yeah. know what I mean? You just like fucking yeah. make yeah. him feel like real. Uh, um, the way when your first, is it your first scene? You lick the donut. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's when I'm like, I just like watching this motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You know I lick I mean? the it's do- like, yeah. you give that scene to the 10 actors, they eat the donut, Arian. <laughs> yeah, they eat the donut. Yeah. And there's something that felt very true about licking the donut. I also know that there's a chance you're an actor and you have to do nine takes and you just don't want to eat the fucking donut. Both, but there's something about moistening it that is so right for this cocaine-loving, yeah. money-loving guy. He wants. To... He just wants the sugar on it. I think I improvised yeah. <laughs> that a few times. I can't know, just like... He, he just like, wants you... the rush. He's like, are you licking the fucking thing? And I, I think I, I, I'm maybe bullshitting now, but I'm like, yes. I can't remember. I was like, I just want the sugar. I just want the yeah. sugar. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just yeah. really want the cinnamon and the sugars. Um, <laughs> the show, I will tell you something about the show when you say about that and all that. Like, we shoot on film. Wow. We shoot three cameras on film. We shot and Crash think, on film. I, I have a sixth oh, sense for did. knowing when we're going to roll out. You can hear it. See? 
You, you see, so yeah. so all of a sudden you're immediately in a different headspace, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't just like churn and burn. And also when we have these massive group scenes in every other show on the history of time, if there's 12 pages in one like huge group setting, like Lake Placid or Justice or wherever, you kind of like break up the 12 pages into like three scenes here or two scenes here. On Succession, we kind of shoot all of that at once. Mm, wow. And 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 kind of like like a one act play, mm. and at the end of this one act play, it's we are just being. The cameras are sometimes Pete like so far away that we often ask, "Where are the cameras?" But yeah. they're zooming in on us. And I remember in that this, I, mean, I always think of this specific scene when I tell the story is it, about the process of this is in that. In season two, there in this what I call it the Lake Class of the Argesti scene, there's this comic that comes up and does like a roast of the Roy's. Yeah. Because the, the you know, and and I have one fucking line. And the line at the end of the scene is, well, it's funny because it's true. Right. That's yeah. it. And I and we be and I'm guessing that page, the page count for that was like 10 pages. 12, I don't know how much. It was a lot. Maybe I'm over exaggerating. But at the end of the day. After like fifth hour of doing the scene, I'm like, I don't think my line's gonna make it because there's no there's no cameras coming close. So I was like, is this line any good? And they're like, oh no, it's great. Yeah, we have it on every take. I was like, really? And so in a way, the ahums and all that that you're hearing is just us being in a space, mm. kind of unsure of what exactly. <laughs> That's what they did. Yeah, I do. That's what they did in the movie once. Have you seen once? Oh, I love ones. I didn't they know sh- that. That's they, it's exactly like that. They yes. shot in long lenses, and they're like, that's, they're, they're not background actors. You can see people recognizing Glenn Hansen McCann- in it. Wow, because wow. he's a he's a popular, pop especially yeah. in that uh, region. People are recognizing him, which is you know they're zooming in to like crop somebody out that's recognizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That is really interesting. I in the scene where you and Kendall go in to get a bottle of uh non-imported champagne. <laughs> yeah. It's it's in the finale of the first season. It's like this it's this really long big wide shot. Yeah. And that's the take they used and you said it and I mean this in a good way as if you weren't being filmed. And that's, yes. I, think, I think that's a good compliment. You really had the feeling. A friend of mine went to clown college or, or clown, mm. took a clowning class. And one of the first things they had them do was just walk on the stage as if no one's watching them. Wow. And he said it was the hardest thing in the world to do. Oh, yeah, I bet it is. And you did that sort of like, I believe for a second. Huh. That, especially you got all these fucking veep writers. I say fucking just to be funny. They're great yeah, veep yeah. writers. And no, they're yeah. writing these like, dick of a swan you know what i mean it's hard to do these things sometimes now. i agree i yeah. agree i agree like yeah. you know in the end of season two that i was really fucking nervous about that poo poo you know you know you're gonna mm. shove poo poo up my nose holes and you know something yeah. about a cunt and this like on paper it's like man can i sell that i mean like these are funny fucking lines and i just hope i can sell it but a lot of it is like on that day we didn't rehearse we did not rehearse. Wow. We also don't rehearse a lot. You know what I mean? So like, you're just watching shit happen. And like, mm. in the chaos of all that, you know, you know, that scene that you're talking about when we're walking into that non-vintage champagne, you know, that pub or whatever. Yeah. We have that long, and, and, and I remember, I remember Jeremy, God, I, I don't want to, 
But I remember I don't, I, I, the reason I'm like hesitating is because I don't know if it was scripted or if we were improvising. That's also the fluidity of it sometimes, uh, with, especially with my memory. Um, but I remember Jeremy being like, "My my, uh, I uh, he improvised something to the effect of, I, th- I think this is where uh, um, Roman had his first drink ever." And he's like describing, "He's like, yeah, right here in this corner," da, 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 da. and he's like improvising this thing. And then I said, um, "Wow, cool story." I just said, cool story. That's all I could think of to say. And 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 I could hear the chuckles a little bit from, or maybe they told me about the chuckles, but they're like, cool story is so funny. He's like telling you this deep thing. It's like, yeah, but to me, we're just hanging. Yeah. yeah there's nothing, yeah, yeah. there's no meaning on any of this. We're just fucking hanging out at this place because we're about to run the entire world. But that's a hard thing to do. I, I mean, I think there's a compliment to both of you in that moment, which is, it's sort of like pornography. I mean, like, I, in the sense that, like, people are having sex, but I'm like, it's like the least erotic situation possible. So yeah. if you guys are achieving a, a, the feeling of a play or a dinner party or a bar and you're just fucking around, that's really hard. That That's like walking onto stage like nobody's watching. Yeah, that, That's well, a tricky thing to do. I'd give a lot of that to just, just, I think we're just such theater people. We're just such theater people, you know? Is that right? At the, yeah, I mean, I know people find this hard to believe, but everyone in the show has done theater. Everybody. Kieran's been on Broadway. He's done off-Broadway. Sarah left season one to go to to Australia to do um, Joan of Arc. Matthew's Mm. done farces. Um, Brian, I don't even to say it. Like, I've done a bunch of plays. I've seen Jeremy in three or four plays. We met at Steppenwolf when we were 19. Like, like we're all, I saw Nick Braun do a play at Actors Studio. Like, we all do plays. And in a play, like in stand-up, like in improv, when the fucking shit hits the fan, when when the drink falls, there's no, like... Everyone's hold on, everyone in the yeah, audience. We'll go again. We'll go. We're again. gonna try this. It's just like deal with it. Like moveon.org. <laughs> I love that. Somebody, <laughs> my friend John Sarouf, who's a theater actor, told me this great story where somebody was doing Hamlet, mm. and apparently it was a very good uh, performance and a very good production. And he's doing to be or not to be, mm. and someone in the audience is so enthralled, so enraptured in the scene. They, I think they don't even realize they're saying it, but they said the line out loud oh. in a very quiet theater. And what the Hamlet did that John Struve told me about, it might've been John Struve. I don't think it was, but it might've been. He used it. He pointed to the person and was like, yeah. You get it. You too. Whether tis nobler or whatever the line is, uh-huh. he, he sort of repeated it as if he had heard it in his own head because we all heard it. But I always took that as like, Love that's that. what you do. It's a high wire act and, and you go with it. And you um, go with it. And you I go have, with it. And, you know, I just got to tell you, my company, Waterwell, we did a hammer and I played Hamlet. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So you and, know the next line. <laughs> and I did it well, yeah. But I remember one time I, I had like maybe seven or eight more performances, you know, and this is an off-Broadway production and we were producing it and we had like seven or eight more productions. And in the middle of the to be or not to be speech, I kind of was like, I am not happy with this tonight. So I started it again. Shut. <laughs> yeah. Shush. I don't care. I didn't care. Because I was just like, fuck it. You have to hear it. First of all, everyone enjoy these words. The words are, are, you know, and I just went, and I just started again. And then 
um, this actor, this amazing actor named Satya was backstage and he comes in and he goes, that was baller, man. You just started that again. And I said, I just, I have seven or eight more chances at this. You know what? I don't really care. I'm doing it again. And people even mentioned it, you know, <laughs> but to me, it was like, it's, it's so funny that you mentioned that story because that moment, there's so much pressure to do the to be or not to be speech. And I wanted it to be so simple and human. And one night in the middle of it, I thought I might've been acting too much. Yeah. That's yeah. probably what I thought I was doing. And I was like, I only got seven more chances at this. Let me redo this. And I just, yeah. just started over. <laughs> did you move back to your original position or did you just start where I, you were? I, the, to be or not to be in the way that we did it. I was just standing still really contemplating what to do with my life. Just simple, still, no movement, you know, on stage. And halfway through, I was like, mm, fuck it. Here we go. To be or not to be. Let's try this one again. I didn't say let's try this again. Let's start from the top. And I don't think anyone cared. And if they did, so what? Who cares? That's, <laughs> you know, what I mean? you know it, it feels very, very stewing. Let's talk about uh, interesting acting. I, that, that, that's my term for, like, I find Denzel Washington to be a very interesting actor. Uh, One of my favorites. You know, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, but they're definitely doing something that is called interesting acting. They're, they're mm. being interesting people. Not everybody, I'll give you an example. Ryan Gosling is not doing interesting acting. He's mm. doing good acting. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. him. I mm-hmm. love yeah. him. But he's not doing interesting acting. Interesting mm-hmm. acting is licking a donut. Interesting <laughs> acting is uh Pacino and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross moves his coat behind him like a like a like a rooster before he goes you you stupid fucking cunt that that part like, oh he, I he, know exactly what you're talking he has like right in front of him yeah and he's got suspenders and he puts yeah. his coat behind him like a cape that's interesting acting Denzel everything he does is just sort of like it's going for a certain pitch so there's like Hankering for a wankering. This this is for the real diehard Succession fans. And then you go, yeah, 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 make yeah. A, a decidedly wet hand job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely a hand job. And it's a little yeah. like I don't know. It's, it's, it's like blow job. Shiny. It's a little yeah, blow, blow job. Blow jobby. Blow it's jobby. Blurring the line. <laughs> yes. But you're you're miming it pretty low, so it's a very yes. long deck <laughs> uh, that you're picturing. But like, here's here's what I, I hope you enjoy this as much as I want you to. It didn't say in the script, mimes no. blowjob. No. You are in, you did interesting acting. Is that correct? Can you confirm yeah. that for the for Successionopedia? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was none of, yeah. I, I will be blunt with you. I don't know if they knew what this character was going to be. I mean, there was talk at one point if this character was on the spectrum. Oh, wow. Um. Which he is um, decidedly not on the spectrum. No, um, there was talk, you know, and I think, you know, so I think really I was bringing what I thought this worldview was of these people to this character. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really kind of what I was thinking. And yeah, I didn't know. It definitely was not in the script. And I kind of remember at my audition with Mark Myla, the genius kind of like main director and like creative director of our show, um, I remember in the audition room, he kind of like chuckled at that. And I kind of was like, didn't realize that I was doing, to be honest with you, I didn't realize I was doing a bit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you thought you were just painting a picture. I was like, this is what this looks like. Like, do you fucking want to get, you want this or this? And so, and so. But isn't that a key? You weren't, see, comedians, this is my struggle as an actor. I have to stop trying to do bits. So 
Katie Lowe's put us in touch. Katie and I are doing a show. Uh-huh. Katie only thinks, not only, she comes at it from like, what am I feeling? Uh-huh. <laughs> I uh-huh. only think, not only, but I'm 70, 30. She's 30, she's 70% thinking about what am I feeling and what is my, what would my character do? Uh-huh. I'm 70%, I'm thinking of what's the funniest way to say this and should I go like yeah, that? Or not. Yeah. You're not thinking about those things. No, I'm thinking about what these guys sound like when there are no cameras around. I'm thinking that. of I'm thinking about what it feels like when they're in the bathroom. Like I gotta, you know, the right you, I, Jesse and the, the, the all the amazing writers. They would always be like, no, the act. The writing on the show is so spectacular. To imagine that all of a sudden, in one of the first scenes of Stewie, like I a character that's kind of like move, you know, was only supposed to be in two episodes, by the way, and ended up being like in so much more like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you'll be in a bathroom doing Coke as we're like negotiating big fucking deals. To me, that says that it, there is so much that doesn't need to be thought about or thought. It's just like two people just like spitting their guts out. And, and, and maybe, Hank Green from Wake Red definitely didn't think that was a joke, to be honest with you. I just thought that's how they would hang out. That's how they would do it. You know how it is. You know. I do. But what you're doing, and I, I, I'm going to sound kind of dumb maybe, but this is what I'm realizing. I've always played myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now I'm realizing that you, you said this is what they look like in the bathroom. Yeah. I, I just realized I was like, if, you, if two people were having sex on the sidewalk... Uh-huh. What what would your character do? There's there's people that would keep walking. There's people that would stop. There's people like Roman that would film it. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. There are these sure. there are these scenarios. Bore on the floor. Re- yeah. Bore on the floor. There are things exactly. There are things that I'm realizing. There are these tests that it never occurred to me that you run on a character, like questions like, are they a coffee person? Are they horny? Are they hungry? Like, do they like horror movies? And, and it seems like with Stewie. This dude likes a donut. This dude wants sugar. He wants a rush. He wants power. Yeah. He does coke yeah. in the bathroom. And if he's going to talk about a blowjob, he's going to make the sound of it because he's brutally honest, right? I yeah, mean, that's just that what it would like a be. character study. Yeah, yeah. But, I think I'm focusing in on character more than the bit. You know, there are certain times where you get a bit and you're trying to like make sure. But then in those scenarios, you know, I'll give you an example where I really wanted, I thought the line when I read it in the table read was hilarious, but I was so adamant that I didn't want it to sound like a joke was in that Argesti scene in season two, where right after the news happens with all the cruise line stuff and I bump into him on the, you know, in the, the, you know, like the grounds or whatever. And I was like, I guess that deal that you had is really kind of, um, it's kind of like dead in the water. No, no, no. I say it's kind of like dead in the water like some of those women that are that were on your cruise trips yeah now it's yeah. obviously a joke and when yeah. we read it it was funny but i was so adamant that i didn't want it to sound like a bit so in yeah. certain scenarios i'm actually trying to rem- if i want to make a bit that doesn't sound like a bit does that make sense no that's your job my job yeah. as a comedian is is to it's almost like uh what is it what is it called not kabuki is it kabuki theater it's like it's theater oh, comedian uh, del arte almost yeah it's like making like, a joke it's for the back row 
I want people in the cheap seats to know that I'm joking and you have all these ways of indicating it and all this stuff, but you're trying to be Stewie telling a joke. I know this is yeah. very basic, but you, yeah. and I actually think that's the hardest thing. If I can sympathize, uh, especially by the third season, which is the only time I caught, caught, like I'm policing the show, <laughs> but you start seeing the writers. And I know I, I say this as a writer, um, writing succession jokes. Mm-hmm. I, it's not a criticism. It's mm-hmm. it's an empathizing with the actors where I'm like, that's a hard one to pull off. And like, like Kieran does a great job at it. He, he scratches his forehead and he's like, oh, or he could fucking shoot a load on a goat or, you know, he'll say yeah, something. Absurd. Exactly. He exactly. finds a exactly. way to do it. You find a way to do it. Everybody does it. But every once in a while, I'm like, that's shaving with a really fine blade right there. It's really just a compliment to take something that is such a hard joke and make real people say it. That's what yeah. Well, I think, I think, well, thank you for saying that. And I really appreciate that. Uh, I mean, it, I am really working on, you know, I was hanging out with Nick Patrell the other day, um, the other day, you know, probably in November, December, and he is the, the, the composer of succession. You know, he makes the, you know, the amazing soundtrack that we have. Have you heard, uh, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Katie, will you look up? He was on the podcast and I'm blanking. Oh. He did the kiss from daddy song. Katie, have you heard the kiss from daddy song? Uh-uh. What's oh that? my God. We're going to play it on the air. We're going to play it right now. I'm going to oh play God. it for you. Yes. Yeah. Do you mind? Is it, somebody, no, I don't somebody care. Made lyrics to the succession theme song. Oh, you have yeah, to hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Play it. Play it. While I'm looking this up. Oh, finishing the story. Yeah, please, please. He came up to me and he was just kind of like, I just didn't really realize, like, you're like really working hard to like make sure that this thing is. You know, I'm like, yeah, like I'm like working hard at like making sure that Stewie feels honest and real and relaxed and cool and pissed off and just, you know, and and it's, you know, sometimes it takes it takes, a you know, we're like really, you know, people forget Matthew is British. Sarah is Australian. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, we're like we're like working it. You know, I mean, yeah, we're not yeah. these characters. Matthew is not Tom Wamsgams. I mean, like, yeah, that no, is he's so... in Pride and Prejudice for, for fuck's sake. No, right? I, he's, he's in one yes. of those. Yeah, he's, he's in Pride and Prejudice. He's yeah, like he is prime. And, he is more you know, Prime and Prejudice, dude, you know, yeah, than nice anything guy. else, you know, very proper, very English, very kind, very yeah. giving, you know, he's working hard to play a kiss ass. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Okay, two things. We're going to get, we're going to move off to succession. I okay. did want to say, I did want to ask you how it feels. It seems like you like it, which I love. It's mm. rooted in gratitude, but I do want to give you permission to come on you have to do radio tours you have to do press tours and it's a hit show and it's like a show that everyone's watching and that's something i've never experienced that and i have to imagine yeah we'll go with my fake example it's tom hanks and he wants to talk about the show but then in this imaginary scenario he does want to say some things that you've heard a million times isn't that true don't people I mean, want to tell you like the same seven things that they want to say, you know, what's crazy about succession really. And I think a testament to the, to the writers on this one yes, yes. is that everyone puts their own DNAs on us. Yeah. 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 As if their version of how they see us is the only version. Does yes. that make sense? So we're always having different conversations. I love this. 
and everybody that knows this podcast knows I'm going to mention uh, Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie. Oh. When people would say he did the show and I was like, when people say, I love that song, it's about the Titanic. He never corrects them. So you're saying the same thing. It's like people project. Yeah, to their me, DNA on them. Yeah. Succession is so like my family in certain ways that mm. like I had, I asked my, I told my brother, I said, you should watch it. And he, I, we, he shares my HBO account and I saw <laughs> that he turned it off 10 minutes in and mm. I was like, why? And he was like, it was too much like our family. Like, um, that's not how I read. That's not how I recreate. My dad is not born on the floor, but there's like a, mm. now I'm doing it too. I'm doing what I said I wouldn't do. But no, do it. I, I want to tell you one thing. I, yeah. I had it one time my dad and I were having dinner. My brother, my dad and I were having dinner with another friend of ours, our age. And at one point that friend put his dad in a headlock playfully. It was all playfully. The dad was in on it and he gave him a nookie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And my dad looked at us. He didn't have to say a word. He's, but his face said, if you ever do that to me, I'll, I'll burn you to the ground. Yeah, I'll kill you. (laughs) I'll I'll kill you. you. I'll fucking kill you. You don't do that to me. I'm I'm not older than you. I'm older than you. But it's also like I I've I fucking made you. (laughs) Yes. That is very Iranian, what you're saying right there. That is super like, what the hell? You know, you always hear this phrase sometimes in the black community of like, I got you out, I'll fucking bring you back in or something. Like, that's my favorite. It's a Bill Cosby line. I'll I'll take you out of this. I brought you into this world and I will take you out. I'll take you out of it. Like, there is like very much that kind of mentality. And it's funny. And it's also just the mere fact of me imagining giving my dad a noogie is like at 41 years of age and my dad is in his 80s gives me i'm sweating yeah me too me too sweating just thinking about that i I absolutely and it doesn't matter what successes i've had he remains this like frightening and i i love him i don't mean frightening like 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 in a bad way i know that's no 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 i know i know i know you mean i know you mean but like, I say it to him, I go, dad, I'm taller than you, but you'll always be bigger than me. That's something I would mm-hmm. say when I was younger. Uh-huh. And, I, and uh-huh. it's just true. I, I don't uh-huh. think he heard me, but it's true. That's, that's the other thing is, is like. Yeah, there's not a lot of listening happening sometimes. That's not a lot of listening. And when Logan says everything I did was for my family, I think I stood, everything I did was for my children. Uh-huh. I think I stood up. I think I paused it, stood up and ranted for 45 minutes uh-huh. about how there's no more insulting lie to the children. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I will, I'm going to do, I'll give you just the highlight. I will uh-huh. never say to my daughter, everything I did for you, fuck that shit. Uh-huh. You are in, you take jobs because you uh-huh. like it. And that is uh-huh. okay. Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. We've evolved. Totally. We've grown past everything I do, I do for my children. Yeah. And also, you, you know, going back to your original question, it's so funny that you mentioned this, like, and maybe this is again the immigrant experience. Maybe again, this is me, Iranian. I don't know what, but I'm also, I've been very, very, very lucky, Pete. Like, I did a play on Broadway with Robin Williams for six months. Whoa. I did a Bill, yeah, I did a Bill Murray movie in Morocco. I did, I worked with John Stewart. I worked at John Stewart's first movie, Rosewater. And I've seen and tasted all of these people at the top. And, <laughs> and, and, and in a way, 
the same insecurities that these folks have is the same shit that I am. I'll give you a Robin Williams story. And I've told this story before, but I'll say it again because I think it's really kind of fascinating. We were doing broad, we were doing Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo, a gorgeous play written by Rajiv Joseph on Broadway. We did it two times in LA at the Kirk Douglas Theater and then at the Mark Taper Forum the next season and then the following season we were on Broadway. And Robin was the newest cast member. He was the first new cast member and everyone else was, you know, the guys that did in LA. And and we had our dressing rooms right near each other and we were on performances and and a few, maybe like a dozen times or so at intermission, he'd come into my dressing room close the door behind me. Now I'm 30. I have two kids, you know, on, if in, in, often on like unemployment checks and he's coming into my room and I'm like, every time I'm like slightly nervous, like, Oh, I must've done something. And we're kind of like the two leads of the, I'm like, I must've done something wrong about this. And then he's like, how do you think it's going today? I'm like, it's going well. Yeah. He goes, I tried something new. I was like, yeah, great. Awesome. Love that actually. And I mean it like, great. He goes, do you think it threw anyone off? No, I thought it was great. Awesome. He's like, yeah, well, I was just trying. And he's like, explains this moment and then leaves. And then that would happen like a dozen times. And after the fourth or fifth time, I was like, oh, he's just as insecure as I am. Mm-hmm. And he's wanting to come into this room and say to me, is what I'm doing fucking you up? I hope to God that it's not. I really am trying something new. If it sucks, just tell me I won't do it again. Just like you do after your bits, just like I do after my things. And I, and, and, and I tell the story because the fourth or fifth or sixth time, genuinely, I was getting angry because I was like, why am I telling you 50 Oscars, the greatest comic in the history of time, unbelievable fucking actor, all the accolades. Why am I giving you the love? And it's, and it dawned on me that we were both just insecure actors. And so the, and 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 that it will never end so when you ask me like how does it feel to be on this junket i have a pretty strong sense i could be wrong um but i have a feeling like in 10 years a whole new generation of people will have not seen succession just like a whole generation of people have never seen sopranos like they've never seen west wing and i'm just gonna like ride it right now knowing full well that not this isn't forever and I'm not going to make, I'm not going to pretend that it is going to be forever. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's not healthy for me to like have those expectations on myself or on everyone else. Now people are enjoying it. Part of the reason why I love the show is I'm a 10th of this show, if not a 20th of this show. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what You're I mean? allowed like, to enjoy it. It's yeah. weird if if the if the two boys were like it's my favorite show I'd be like yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, maybe keep that to yourself yeah, yeah, exactly. you're allowed to love the show yeah yeah also I don't see the fucking scenes with with Logan yeah or whatever yeah, yeah. and Sarah and you know like yeah. I only get them on the table reads you know and then yeah. and then then to, so like as a fan I'm excited for it as well so you know right now I'm just riding this kind of wave knowing full well you know that 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 there will be a, a decade from now where no one. We'll have seen it. We're back to where we started, which is the the Buddhist idea of the cup is already broken, and and how mm. that's freedom. Mm. And and suffering is if I you did be, if you believed that succession being a hit made you worthy of love, mm. that's a fucking terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I know you already know that because mm-hmm. as soon as you meet that first kid that's going to be born in 2030 or whatever. And he doesn't know your show and he hates you. He doesn't give you. He doesn't know that shit about me. And it's like, okay, well, you know, you can't don't, don't hitch your wagon to 
Don't yeah, some, to, to anything outside of yourself. Yeah, and, our, and, 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 you know, the first time that this, my entire acting theater career, I played Iraqis, Iranians, Afghanis, Israelis, Palestinians. All of a sudden, I do one play on Broadway called The Humans. Frank Rich and Jesse see the show. I'm on succession. And I've never done an accent after that. Mm. <laughs> my whole life. Like my whole life, great. I've done fucking every accent that you could possibly imagine. Great. That's great. And now all of a sudden, so like in a way, I'm just enjoying this new portion of my life where, you know, I, you know, in Bengal Tiger, I played an Iraqi translator that lost his wife to Uday. I mean, lost his sister to Uday, who said like, like fucking dark shit. Right. <laughs> dark right, right. Shit. Well, you didn't have the privilege of like, you know, the roles I get offered are, you know. <laughs> You know, not, yes. not offered. I'm just saying the roles that come through, very diverse. Oh, uh, you know, like never. you might be a baseball player or or a guy that owns a hot dog stand. You're yeah. like tragedy or strange yes. thing or, or whatever. Or a victim or like they bombed me and now, you know, and, and, and again, maybe it was because my family, again, immigrant, Iranian, I, at a very young age, at 25, 26, I kind of told my agents at the time, like, I'm just not going to do the terrorist roles. And I'm just not going to do these victim roles either. And this is 2005, six, seven, whatever. And, and, you know, I didn't do a lot of TV. <laughs> they actually asked me, the agents were like, what do you want to do? I was like, sitcoms. So really? I like tested. Yeah. I thought I was like really going to fall into that world. I was doing a lot of improv at the time. I kind of got it, but nothing. Yeah. Didn't book a, a one of those. Did not grab any of those guys. You know, Kumail and I were very close friends, Kumail Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. And that was, a, it was still tense. Okay. Still. Oh, yeah. But, but, yeah. but post nine. Uh, so oh, he yeah. must have been in a very. Oh. I, I, I'm only shining a light on this to say, like, fucking wow. To say yeah. your agents, I don't want to do. I just thought it would really, like you said about the noogie and your dad, I thought it would crush my father and my mother if they saw me do some bullshit 0.0001% of our population. It just, yeah. I, I, I could imagine them being disappointed. Of course. And, 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 you know, you know, there's 1.7 billion Muslims. There's like 600,000 ISIS members. There's like 0.00001% of Muslims are involved in like hate and destruction. But who knows that? Like nobody. Yeah. And they, yeah, most yeah. people's mind, it's the reverse. Well, we're back sort of to Logan Roy. You see like the world is created by culture. And, and we're sort of back. I was just listening to this this wonderful Rupert Spira talk on the way in. And, and he was talking about our culture advertising. How many people tell you when they watch succession, they want to buy your clothes. I mean, like even mm-hmm. we're not off the hook. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're, it's, it's not a bad hook. It just is what it is. It's it is like, what it is. Yeah. We live in a world. I bought an espresso machine. I, this is embarrassing because I saw the espresso machine in Kendall's apartment that's embarrassing, mm. but I'm not mm. here to not be embarrassed. That that's the world we live in. We think maybe the answer is in in these other things. I don't remember why or how we got on that, but I do want to talk about uh, faith and 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 spirituality. Yeah. And please, let's get into that now. Please, yeah, out of time. yeah, yeah, yeah. What what it, you mentioned something in our emails 
Are, are you a practicing Muslim or? I'm not a practicing Muslim. We are Muslim in the fact that, you know, we were born Muslim, you know, we were born in a Muslim society. And, 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 and in, when I was in Iran, I, I remember having to like pray and doing like, you know, learning how to do that. And it was just a crazy time in Iran at that time, especially as the, uh, the Iranians who are not really religious people, all of a sudden were like now having religion, you know, 24 uh, seven. So obviously it's a big part of my life, but it's weird because I think Iranians and, 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 and I should also mention that my parents in the fifties, um, you know, were so anti-religion that they actually changed their last name to the last name that we have because our f- former last name, Mullah Hassan Afazi, would had more religious connotations. And my parents in the 50s kind of like changed all that. So we weren't a really religious family. My parents became kind of like atheists um, and, and not in a fun way. And, kind of like, <laughs> and, not, and not like in a Not cool, as I like, like to call the Horatheists, the atheists. There's, yeah, there's the, certain fun ones. Yeah. What do you mean? Not in the fun way. What yeah, just mean? like angry. Like anyone, don't talk to anyone that has any really. It's just like, mom, who cares? Just relax. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, and and so, and I think a lot of it is because they, 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 many Iranians um, think that the extreme religious right of Iran took over our country and our people. But we are. 3,000 years old, come from a Zoroastrian tradition, not known to many folks, but Iranians and only Iranians were Zoroastrian before Islam happened about 1,300, 1,400 years ago. And Zoroastrian, there's no book, um, it was a guy named Zoroaster. I love that you, uh, you jumped right to it. There's no book, uh, here's yeah. the guy. There's a dude. Um, here's here's the basic a dude. Precept. And, and, and I'm just going to basically say there's like one tenant. And it's these these it's 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 uh, good word good thoughts good words good deeds good thoughts good words good deeds and most Iranians not all and, and it obviously goes in that order by the way yeah good words good thoughts good deeds I just mean and, like good thoughts lead to good words and good words often lead to good deeds yeah yeah and and that mentality is inside of our culture meaning we don't have to take a class about that. It's like embedded in there. Mm. It's like now Iranians living in Iran, bless their hearts, are going through inflation and sanctions and and extreme religion and 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 a, and a, and a democrat and an un, undemocratic you know religious authority that's like over them. So sometimes that can get lost in there. But that is our basic premise of life, mm. and. It only took until like I was 32, 33, 34 to realize like, oh, that is my spiritual belief. And then I just want to say that. And then I I mentioned to some of your viewers, uh, I also um, co-founded when I was 22, a nonprofit arts and education company called Waterwell. We're 20 years old, socially conscious, civic minded, Google us. I'm going to just leave all that for a second, but I teach this class to my high school students um, back in the day where I would call the artist a citizen. And I would bring in amazing artists, Lin-Manuel, what came to um, Jeffrey Seller, um, Emily Burgle, like all these amazing human beings that are also humanitarians and like work for Habitat for Humanity or, or, you know, um, Lemon Anderson was, um, is, is a poet and teaches poetry. Like, and, I brought in this amazing like person by the name of Terrell McCraney who wrote Moonlight. 
Um, and he's also a major playwright and a MacArthur genius. And he came to talk to the students. And he said that August Wilson, when he was, you know, um, his assistant, August Wilson said, all great art runs on three cylinders. The interpersonal, the global, and the spiritual. And most artists are very scared of the spiritual because they think it means religion. Mm -hmm. They think it means like Jesus Christ or something or whatever that means to you. But really, if you think of interpersonal, like Romeo and Juliet, it's Romeo and Juliet, those two, that you have that, that story in there. And the global, it's, Mont, that's the, it's the Montagues and the Capitals. They fucking hate each other for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. And then the spiritual is love conquers all, or it should. Do you know what I mean? Like, and those are the things. And that's why August Wilson says to Terrell, who's telling now my students and me, that's saying that that's why we do Shakespeare. He didn't write the most plays. It's because he's constantly pushing on these three cylinders. There will be blood. Oh, yeah. Constantly pushing on those three cylinders. You need it. Constantly. And and PTA is doing that in a lot of... Magnolia. The Master is about spirituality. The Master. Because I think he's figured that out. I would love... Oh, go ahead. But those three things, and good thoughts, good words, good deeds, Mm -hmm. those things fit so nicely on top of each other. And so I kind of, you know, live under that mentality, really try to that, like, on the end of the day, like, you know, even Stewie, good thoughts, good words, good deeds, like, even, you know, with Katie Lowe, as we're doing this new project, um, Inventing Anna, and, and even in this lawyer that I'm, you know, like, representing, you know, the scam artist. Like, I'm thinking of good thoughts, good words, good deeds, and mm. trying to interpret them into the script somehow. Even if I'm the fucking shittiest, biggest asshole in the world, I try to put in good thoughts in there. Somehow, some way. Mm. Now it's not like rocket science, nor I'm like, you know, and I'm 41, and I'm getting easier at it, but like, that spirituality and that artist as citizen kind of like how they both kind of fit a line that it fits the art and it fits like a humanity is I think where I, where I think I can be of service to our students and other folks, because I genuinely believe that that can better society. I genuinely, and when I was 22 and Tom Ridgely and I started Waterwell, that's what we believe. And I still believe that, you know, I say the reason why we read Raisin in the Sun in high school is not because it's a free play. It's because it tells us what it must be like to be a black human being at that time period. That's trying to go move up the ladder. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It expresses to us and empathizes with us what it must feel like, you know? And, and, and when I read that at a young age, I didn't feel like it was a black story at all. I mean, it was obviously deeply a black, I felt like it was an Iranian story. You know, it's mm-hmm. because to me, I could understand that anyway. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I meant in that email that like, you know, I'm really just fascinated in the, in the, in the good thoughts, good re- words and good deeds of it all. I, I love that. And it's funny. And also the three cylinders, uh, yeah. which is brilliant Yeah, because succession definitely falls into that too. It's the interpersonal between a lot of people. It's the family. Hmm. And then it's, I would say it's the bankrupt religion of capitalism. It's, it's yeah, I think, like it's, the, I think it's a, yeah, that's right. The broken faith of consumerism. Or yeah. I think it's really showing the world that we are addicted to the things that don't matter. 
and that it doesn't work. And that's it why that's that's why I love There Will Be Blood is there's a lot of movies that show people getting rich, but there's not a lot of movies that show people getting rich through violent means mm. and then they pay for it. And I, mm. I don't mean in like a moralistic way. I mean, like there's a great Richard Rourke quote. He goes, we don't suffer for our sins. He doesn't believe in hell. He's saying mm-hmm. we don't suffer for our sins. We suffer from our sins. So mm-hmm. if you murder a man who pretended to be your brother and if mm-hmm. you uh, send away your son instead of helping him through a handicap, you end up alone. Like it mm-hmm. breaks you. You suffer from your sin. Yeah, that's like, so true. You, you don't you don't suffer from jerking off to porn. You suffer from isolation. You suffer mm-hmm. from loneliness. Loneliness. Yeah. 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 You, you you are suffering from it. I say that I say that to myself. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's like, Which is why we're all here. Which We've been meaning to talk to you about this. Getting, chill out, man. Like, <laughs> Just chill out. Let it be. <laughs> Hilarious. That's always my go-to because I, I was raised with so much sexual baggage. I mm-hmm. had something I wanted to Oh, Moonlight mm-hmm. uh, to me. One of my favorite movies. Me too. It yeah. might be one of the best movies ever made, I think. Yeah. To me, you have to talk about putting our own DNA on it. Mm-hmm. That is about love, which is mm-hmm. another word for the divine is chasing you. Love itself has an agenda for you. Truth Uh itself has an agenda for you. And Uh it's not wagging its finger at you. It's seducing you. Yeah, it's helping. It's it's come towards us. That scene where he's cooking for him at the end. I'm like, that's God. God or truth or love or eternity or relationship or being itself is lovingly putting cilantro on the rice. Yeah. And you got as strong as you could. Chiron got as big as he could. He's yeah. got fake teeth. He's got money. He's got a gun. That's what we do with our ego. He yeah. doesn't even have to lock his car. He doesn't yeah. have to lock his car. That's yeah. what we do because that's what we were told to do. And then you go in and a gentle, loving presence wants to seduce it puts the good sheets on the bed it, <laughs> yeah it wants you it, it's not shaming you it no it's like you. come over here to yes. this side yeah this side is really the sheets are clean <laughs> yeah. the food is nice you know the, the the food scene as you're talking about it, i'm getting emotional because the effort and the way that you know it was direct. It's just, it's so much about love and caring for one another. And, and after all of this shit, you know, at the end of the day, um, he sees him as the little boy again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what he's yeah. looking at. He's looking at that love and saying, that's still here. We can get back at this, you know, crazy. And that everybody knows that's my favorite Bible verses. You have to become as little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Where wow. did I didn't that, know that go? Where yeah. did that go? No one is talking about that one. We're yeah. we're being violent. We're being angry. Mm. No, I, I mean there are a few, but I don't meet a lot of Christians that are like silly billies and 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 filled with lightness and joy, love right. and hope. Yeah, or just just some play, just some playfulness. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I'm just—I think it must be happening. There's, I, I, there's you know, millions you, of them, so there's. I'm sure there's millions. There's millions of them, and I think in communities that are very specific, and God is very specific to that community. I think it's happening. It's not yeah. happening on a national scale, That's and what it's I'm saying. yeah, and that is, and you know, you know, it, you know, that old saying of like all politics is local, like all 
you know, God and is also local, you know, he mm-hmm. has to start, you know, in Rajiv Joseph's Bengal tiger at the back of that zoo, we, he's such a brilliant writer, just one of the greatest writers ever. And I've had the fortune of working with him a few times. And Rajiv um, had this line that was cut and he said, well, if God was going to speak to you, he'd probably speak to you in a whisper. Mm-hmm. And, and this line is always so honest to me because it's not that God's going to come down and be like, this is how this is. He's going to probably be across from you and be like, dude, I, this is what I got. <laughs> this is the best well, I got a, right now. There's a quote on my wall right here. It says, it's Paula D'Arcy. She said, God comes to us disguised as our lives. So mm. I, I alternate between, sometimes I'm like, why uh, isn't there just more proof? And then sometimes I'm like, you are in are a vessel for the greatest mystery. And science, by the way, would agree with this. You are the container of consciousness. <laughs> Meaning the yeah. proof, the proof, the thing, the whole thing is not just close to you. It is you. It couldn't. So you know what I'm saying? When I'm I do, I do. I, I appreciate I, you saying that. I'm just so honored that you said that. <laughs> it's just the truth it couldn't be closer it's what you are and then you know we commodified it we turned it into something you need to walk for ten thousand miles on your knees in the desert to get yes it's 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 you it's you it's you and and then it's you and it's you and it's you and it's all of us it's all of us on that level of good thoughts good words good deeds and it is local and it is quiet and it is small and you know i say to the students like you know often i say like you don't have to like when I say like go and help others, what I'm not saying like you have to be in a food pantry every weekend. I'm just saying like when there's garbage in the ground, pick it up and throw it away. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Open the door one, say please, say thank you, and move on. Like it doesn't well, have to be that deep, you know. You know it's uh, funny that you I my theory on being polite, when I say why is it just sort of generally off-putting when someone is speaking thoughtlessly? It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they're swearing, but often swearing, I love to swear. But I swear thoughtless. Me too. I, thoughtfully. Yeah. I swear thoughtfully. Mm. And there's people that can be like, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, casually uh-huh, swearing uh-huh. Or, or casually speaking. But when you stop and go, Arian, please, look, I know, you're slowing down reality and you're trying to demonstrate with your language that you're in your mind, that you're, that you're being deliberate. And that's mm. what we like. So usually... Being polite, which can also be done mindlessly, but if mm. I'm remembering to say please and thank you, that means I'm not in my animal body. You know what yes. I mean? That means I'm working. I've I've put the effort in to to not not just suppress but transcend my base. I want to eat, fuck, and kill, and yeah. drink, and yeah, yeah, steal, yeah, 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 and yeah, I'm greedy, right. and all that stuff. And I'm going, please, that's right, please. And so all yeah. of this is an indication of your consciousness i would say yeah i think that's right i think that's Which right brings me to, i have to say this to all my actor guests i think there's something really interesting and, and deeply spiritual about someone becoming another character we love that because it's a reminder that we're all playing character i'm playing a character right now you're mm. it's not mm. false but when you can become somebody else it's a little wake-up call that we go don't you see mm-hmm. you with a different past is a different you and that's what acting is let me show mm. you i'll show mm-hmm. you yeah yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you. It's like some people are like, 
like I was like, it's like the Stewie can sometimes be the devil on the side of your shoulder that you kind of want to say, yeah, kind of want to go this way. And so we're just kind of like going down that path and seeing what that humanity looks like, yeah. you know, while having all the other DNA in there, you know, that, that's um, it. That's it. That's it. Well, I love it. A couple, a couple rapid fires and then we'll get you. Yeah, hit me. Tell me a name droppy story. Go ahead. Go Come ahead. On. <laughs> I've already dropped a few fucking names. Oh. Um, it was Demi uh, Adige. Oh. I can't say his last name. Demi A D E J U Y I G B E. Who and did that? Oh, who did that thing? Yeah. Who did that? Thing? Yeah. Uh, I will. I will you got to check it out. It's so good. I will. I will. Okay. Name droppy. Story. Uh, name droppy story. Give me a. Let me get you something fucking. Juicy and good. Lick the donut, um, man. Lick the fucking lick donut. donuts. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have a bunch of Robin stories. Okay, let's talk about Robin. You're, you yes, know, you it, love, man. Yeah, ask me about Robin. Yeah, Robin is the best. He was so fucking cool. He was so nice. You, you know, I remember that we we met February thirteenth, two thousand eleven, because our first rehearsal was February fourteenth, two thousand eleven. So almost. Wow, 11 years ago, crazy. And he came to this bar as, not a bar, this restaurant where all the, remember the cast had all been together. And the night before our first rehearsal, we were fucking nervous. Do you know what I mean? Like we were nervous. Broadway, big play, big, you know, a a spiritual play, huge spiritual play. I'll tell you the premise. You're going to love this. Based on a true story. Robin Williams, his character played a, a tiger that was stuck in a, the zoo in Baghdad. And when we invaded and that happened, we accidentally bombed the zoo and all of the animals got out everywhere in the middle of Baghdad. So imagine like the middle of LA and New York, also animals everywhere. So they hired the, the, US, uh, the Marines said like, we're going to get two soul, two Marines to go right and in front and, and, um, and guard the last Bengal tiger that's still at the zoo. Mm. And true story. They started throwing some slim jims at this tiger and the tiger bit off the hand of one of the soldiers. And then the Marine, the other Marine killed the tiger. And that's the first scene of Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo, in which he, where Robin Williams plays a tiger and he gets killed. And then he walks out of the cage and realizes that he's not going to heaven or hell, that he is walking around Baghdad trying to figure out how to get to heaven and hell. This is, this, the tiger is. This is this is the tiger. That's Robin Williams. Wow. And along the way, there's an Iraqi translator who works for these Marines who is being denigrated because he was once an artist and now is a translator. And he's asked to do some really horrific things and has lost his sister to Iraqi authoritarianism. Um, and basically those two stories kind of like collide into each other. Wow. And at the end of the play, Robin Williams, every night, came up to me on stage and said, as he's looking for God, comes up to me and says, are you God to an Iraqi translator who just did this, you know, horrific thing in this show? Like he killed one of the soldiers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, are you God? And he's, and, and the Rocky guy is like, are you fuck? What the hell are you talking about? No, I'm not God. Are you crazy? And you have this moment on stage where we, the spiritual thing, where a tiger that's been killed in Baghdad wants to find out if he's God or not. And you have an Iraqi person. It's just this mind altering kind of like experience. And so mm. now going back to the name dropping board on February 13th, the night before Robin comes up and it's again my 41 year old brain is talking to my 30 year old brain at the time and i'm looking and i realized that he's nervous and he wow. even said he even said he goes i have to reach your guys's bar you guys are the ones that got this here and immediately everything went away you know all of that tension was just like whoop, gone you like, didn't lean in and go you're the genie from aladdin <laughs> well, the whole time you want to be like, um, good morning. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, so those experiences were so fun. I, we took him to his first Chipotle, freaked out. Um, we showed him, um, wait, Pat did he, why did he freak out at Chipotle? He, because it, he was, he hadn't gone to a Chipotle. He's from San Francisco. He's like, you know, <laughs> he's like, not, she's like biking everywhere. And we took him to Chipotle and he's like, what the hell? That was really fun. We took him to a Shake Shack. That was really fun. He, you know, it was just, he was the best. He was the best. He really cared about people. He said yeah. once, he goes, the difference between an A plus actor and a B plus actor is not talent. It's how you treat people. Wow. And it's that, so true. And he told you that while he was putting a cigarette out on you, right? Yeah, yeah, no, he was burning me. It was burning hard. <laughs> but it worked. But I take the lesson anyway. <laughs> and he goes, that's why I'm B plus, baby. And he, and he, he flicked off. it out on me. And then yeah. he spat on my eye. It was fine. The story <laughs> still resonates. Yeah, Is he was any- the best. That's incredible. Is there any way to see that production? Um, I don't know. I'm sure someone's got it. I mean, it's probably, in a, you know, we probably at the archives at the Lincoln Center or something like that. Yeah, there's probably some sort of yeah. version. Yeah, that was a, an amazing experience. And and all the people that he fucking brought, everybody, you know, everyone came. You know, yeah. Sean Penn showed up and saw us, mm. you know what I mean? And like, so it was just like a real kind of like who's who and, and you know, and I just remember just like the experience being so rewarding. And, you know, just, you know, without bragging or anything, you know, I was nominated for a Tony and he wasn't. Oh, wow. And he was this, he was the, one of the first phone calls that I got congratulating oh, me. He was just the fucking best. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. So great. All right. And this has been amazing. Thanks, the last, Pete. You too. I've really enjoyed it. I, I thank you for taking the time and people are going to be thrilled that we talked about licking the donut. <laughs> I didn't ask and check out the XML Wolf for those there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, it's I call it an empathy thriller. Like I'm really desperately trying to make an a thriller that really dives into this big question of like how far would you go to help someone that you yeah. don't know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and I'm only midway through the first season because of uh the schedule, but I'm loving it. Yeah, and I okay. really want to. I know I already said it, but there's just good writing, and then there's yeah. a lot of there's most of what I watch, and I was like, oh man. You're a really great writer, and it's Thanks, shot man. beautifully, Thanks, and it's directed man. beautifully. So thank I you. And you got to get to Nina's episode. Nina's episode is the first episode of season two. Shut up, Nina Rao, the amazing Nina Rao, who works with the she amazing Christian. Us. He 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 does a kirtan for us. 
We, 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 record, we filmed a live kirtan at Space Rider Farm in upstate New York with all of these amazing theater actors and Kelly O'Hara's. And I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, we, we, I've, I've been to many kirtans um, through my glorious wife, Chrissy Shields, um, who has taken me to Krishnadas many times. I saw Krishnadas perform in India, actually. And um, oh, wow. yeah, and so I, I really love the spirit of that theater. Do you know what I mean? It's a theatrical yeah. moment where like it everyone's is. singing and dancing and, and feeling and just lifting yourself up. I think it's really powerful if done honestly and earnestly. Completely. It reminds me of your apartment complex. Like it, it brings people yeah. back together and you do something as one thing. Look at you fucking closing up the loop like that. Don't worry. Come on. Don't worry, don't worry about I, a thing. I have a donut. I started licking the donut. Um, <laughs> and you also didn't want to eat it, you fatty. <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't, didn't call you about it. Wait, that's body shaming. I, I was just joking. Uh, but I will say, in the middle of it, I was like, I'm stealing a second donut. I don't want to eat all these donuts. <laughs> Buddy. Too many donuts. You're done the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, this is the final question. And yeah. you'll notice that it's not. What's it like working with a method actor? You'll notice and you will note in your uh-huh. journal tonight that I didn't and don't yeah. care. Um, what is the time you laugh the hardest in your life? Can you think of a time when you were maybe a kid? Maybe you yes. Were, yeah, okay, here it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. But I think about this moment and I try to like Google this video, but my dad and I we're at home on a Saturday watching movies. And I think we were watching, I swear to God, I'm not just making this like a Hitchcock marathon on WGN, um, on channel nine WGN Chicago. And in between this commercial was a local guy saying something about selling cars. And it was just like a bada bing, bada boom, which is very similar to that, that guy that convert the, the, the viral video of like bing bong. Have you seen oh, those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bing bong. What do you want to say to Joe Byron right now? Hey, take me out to brunch. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? It's hilarious. But it was a guy that was like a car salesman. I must have been like nine, 10 years old. And he's like, he's like bada bing, bada boom. And my dad, after the third or fourth time of watching this dumb commercial, started like breaking down into laughter. <laughs> like deep, deep guffaws. And I was like, and that made me laugh. And I just looked at him and he goes, what is he saying? What is bada bing, bada boom? He didn't have any idea that he was doing like an Italian, (laughs) but he's like, what is it? And and I've I've tried to search for that video, but it was so funny. Bada bing, bada boom. And there you are. Because of the succession talk and some of my dad talk, when I saw my dad laughing, mm. it was just, the, is there a safer place than, oh, especially laughing at something silly, like bada bing, bada boom. So that, that really did it for me. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of an exact one, but I know my dad occasionally yeah. would just find something absurd. Ah, what a great answer. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Love it. Love you. Love you. Thank you for doing it. Um, would you say, keep it crispy? It's how we close. The guest says the catchphrase. Uh, Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. (laughs) I went real low. I'll give you a couple of them. Keep it crispy. Okay, that's B. Let's hear C. Keep it crispy. Very good. Very bright. There's no way Stewie would say it. Here, I'll be Kendall. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll say, 
I'll right. say, uh, right. what are we, what are we going to do? Okay. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, look, it's the shizzle and we're going to go in and, uh, what bro. is the plan? Bro, bro. I forgot the phrase. <laughs> Line. I don't want to tell you because oh my god, you found it. I just I loved it for what it was. Let's hamlet that shit. Yeah, that was even better than you saying. Get out of here. Thanks, man. Thanks for doing it.